Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. Hello, welcome back. Now, I've talked a lot on here about all the things that can affect your blood sugar, but I haven't actually given much airtime to the things that don't impact your blood sugar. So I thought that it would be a good time to give you an overview of this. And I have a feeling that this will be a relatively brief episode because when you think about it, pretty much everything does affect your blood sugar in some way, whether directly or indirectly. So I'm thinking that actually maybe I need to reframe this title as things that only have a small impact on blood sugar or are unlikely to spike your blood sugar. So anyway, firstly, for the sake of context, a reminder of all of the things that do impact your blood sugar. So we've got food and predominantly carbohydrates, the type of carbohydrates, the amount of carbohydrates, exercise, sleep, hydration, stress, hormones, time of day. Lots and lots and lots and lots of things. Go back to one of my previous episodes where I actually outlined 42 different things that can impact your blood sugar. So that gives you a really good understanding of, you know, just how complex this is and how many things do have an impact on blood sugar. But just for the sake of context, please know there are loads of things. So on to the things that don't. We'll start with food. And as I hope that you know by now, all food is essentially made up of three key nutrients. So we've got carbs, we've got proteins, and we've got fats, plus fiber, which isn't really a nutrient, but it is in there. So we're also going to acknowledge that. And just quickly, let's get back to the basics. So carbs include things like bread, pasta, rice, cereal, oats, quinoa, grains, lentils, chickpeas, beans, potato, corn, fruit, yogurt, milk, etc., Proteins are things like meat, chicken, fish, eggs, tofu, and tempeh. And fats are things like avocado, nuts, seeds, oil, and butter, as well as the fat that you'll find in like meat products and some animal products and things like that. So we know that carbs have a really big impact and tend to raise blood sugar, but what about protein and fat? Well, it would be incorrect to say that they don't affect blood sugar at all, but comparatively to carbs, the impact is only small. So generally, protein and fat take longer for the body to metabolize, which means that when paired with carbs, they delay their breakdown and release of glucose into the bloodstream. And if we think about the actual chemical structure of proteins and fats as well, a small component of them will also be broken down into glucose and released into the bloodstream. So this is a smaller amount than if it was a carbohydrate food, which is pretty much all going to be broken down into glucose. And the slower rate of metabolism of protein and fats and digestion means that like the glucose in there will hit your bloodstream at a much slower rate. So if you imagined a graph and picture the curve, if you ate something like some jelly beans, which is full of sugar, going to be really quickly and easily broken down into glucose in your bloodstream, it would likely shoot your blood sugar up really high for a short period and then come back down again. So you'd get a curve that just goes basically up then down, kind of like a bell curve, but like even more dramatic. Now, in comparison, eating protein won't immediately send your blood sugar up, but instead we'll see a smaller and more gradual increase over a longer period. 
So it wouldn't likely get anywhere near the height of the peak with the carbohydrate food, but it would probably rise a little bit. And thinking about fat, it would be an even smaller and more gradual rise. And it's much more likely to stay really low level and only rise after a fair bit of time has passed, but not really have much of a peak at all. I think it's kind of interesting, right? So in real life, you're really likely only eating protein and fat in moderate portions, usually in the context of a meal, because we don't tend to eat nutrients in isolation. Like they're never really likely going to have a much of a noticeable effect on your blood sugar, aside from helping you out when you are eating carbs as well. And if you did happen to have just protein or fats on their own, for example, just having a snack of like nuts or boiled eggs or a tin of tuna, um, then it would be pretty fair to say that they likely wouldn't really make a dint on your blood sugar reading. Now, next up, we've got fiber. Now, as I mentioned, all foods are made up of our macronutrients, so carbs, fats, proteins, and fiber. And you can think of fiber as like the roughage. It's a really big component of lots of our fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Now, there's three different types of fiber. We don't really need to go into that today, but basically we don't actually digest any of it. It essentially just passes through our digestive system. And while it's there, it slows down the overall process, similarly to protein and fat, because it's hard to break down. And it provides amazing fuel for the good bacteria in our gut, as well as helping keep our bowels regular but it doesn't get metabolized like our other nutrients do. So think about it as things like the strings on carrots and skins on vegetables like corn. These just tend to pass straight through us. And again, we don't generally eat anything that is pure fiber, so we would probably still get a bit of a blood sugar effect from whatever the food is that we're eating. Like corn is a good example here. It does contain a significant amount of carbohydrates, so it's broken down into some glucose in the bloodstream but also has fiber, which will have a nice buffering effect. Um, And eating other types of non-starchy high fiber foods like berries would be unlikely to see a significant rise in your blood sugar level. So they're the main things that I wanted to talk about, but I think there's a few other things worth mentioning. So for example, drinking water won't raise your blood sugar and if anything will help to lower it. Artificial sweeteners, Now, this one's a little bit more complex and it probably deserves its whole own episode because I would like to do a much deeper dive into what the evidence is telling us. And I get the sense at the moment that the jury is kind of still out on whether they do or don't impact our blood sugar levels. It seems like we previously thought that they don't have any impact, but I'm seeing some more papers discussing potential hormonal effects in some people. But either way, If you think about it, I would predict that if you go for the sugar-free version of something, for example, going for a Coke Zero over something that's got a full sugar load in it, like a regular Coke, then it's going to have a much lower blood sugar increase than the full sugar version, particularly for something that does have that concentrated amount of sugar in it. Now, other things that may impact your blood sugar, but certainly are unlikely to spike it and are just good practices to get into are things like getting enough sleep, proactively managing your stress, eating balanced meals, staying active, and just generally looking after yourself. So I hope that this episode helps give you some more context around the food that you're eating. Um, I know that it's been brief, but yes, hopefully you enjoyed it nonetheless. And if you have been enjoying these episodes and you haven't left a rating or a review, I would appreciate so, 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 so much if you could. It actually means the world to me. And you know what? It helps me realize that 
I'm speaking to somebody and not just to the wall in my office because sometimes it can feel a little bit like that. So let me know that you're out there and tell me what you're enjoying listening to. Um, And if you don't follow me on Instagram already, please go find me. I am at nutrition.by.helena. So come and follow me. I share lots more about gestational diabetes on there. But that is it for today and we will chat soon. Bye. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.